It's your biggest sports show on Saturday morning. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey Montagna, Jay-Z Clark and Fox Footy's Kath Lockman as they talk all things sport and tackle the big topics. Would we be able to fit nine AFL games into one weekend at one venue? Like Melbourne's already the hub of... Well, you yeah, in Queensland, Gabba and um, Gold Coast. Pop in the moomoos. <laughs> this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Joey and Jay-Z. And happy Election Day. Have you voted? Good morning, Kath. Morning, Jay-Z. Morning. Yes, I did. Big day today. Too much work on, so I had to go yeah. and vote during the week. So I got that out of the way on Thursday. How long? I reckon the, the average election lineup is under over, set the line half an hour. We are under over half an hour. I was hour. under. Under yeah, half an hour? Yeah, I think I was hour. under. Yeah. Was win? Yeah, really? it was. I reckon 20 minutes. And just by coincidence, I bumped into an old mate at the exact same time. So we had 20 minutes of a catch-up in right. the line. So. Killed right. two birds with one stone. It actually worked out Love okay. It. Brighton yeah. probably does have faster election lines, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? No, come back there. <laughs> no, I was in Hampton, actually. But yeah, <laughs> Close. Um, yes, yeah, so I voted yesterday. 40 minutes. Okay. So over. Took a long time, but I had the, I was watching the NBA final, um, Heat versus yep. the Celtics, so I was happy in, um, in my line. I actually bumped into one of the higher-profile candidates, it's fair to say, in my area, and I won't, I won't say his name. And I sort of said to him, having a bit of a joke, I said, how are you going to celebrate on Sunday? He said, I'm, I'm doing such and such. But he said, if Morrison wins, I'm going to need my, speed, uh, my therapist on speed dial. So I thought that was not a bad little zinger. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. We might be able to add a laugh into that. <laughs> Go on there. Oh, God. Oh, I actually good. did the pre-postal vote. Yep. It's a very big paper, isn't it? I mean, it's a little bit awkward. That would have been hard to fold. Yes, actually. How long it is. The big white one. But the thing I, uh, and we were talking about this, when you do a pre-postal vote, you don't obviously go. So you don't have people handing out the brochures to you. Mm. What do you do with the brochures? What's your brochure Strategy. It's a good question because Do I was polite. I took everyone's because I was polite. Oh, and I didn't, okay. So as they were handing them <laughs> out, I said, yeah, I was impartial. I said, yeah, I'll take yours. I'll take yours. <laughs> and then I just got in line and had them all. Yeah. Knowing you stop what, and listen to their little bit? No, like, I didn't. You know, they, no, they no. Like to no, I didn't want to do that. Yeah, but, okay. um, but I had a nice moment on, I think it was Wednesday, because we've been getting all the pamphlets in the mail and all that sort of stuff. And Noah's now nearly four. So he's quite inquisitive. He's asked lots of questions. What's this, Dad? What's this, Dad? And there was a bingo scratchy one. You, you could actually scratch it. So he was playing with it in the car and he was, I was explaining to him what we needed to do. I said, we need to vote for someone who we want to run our country. And he goes, I know, Pa. He wanted his, he thought, he thought we could vote for Pa because he loves Pa. He goes, Pa's smart. Papa pa. Montagna. Yeah. So pa, PM. so pa could run the country. I thought it's not a bad idea. I could what's, think of worse. What's Pa's name? No, nah, it's Aaron's dad, actually. He loves Aaron's dad. Pa Tim. Oh, so okay. Pa Tim, he wanted to run the country. So. Pa Tim I did think PM. about it. He wasn't on the balloting paper, though. But hey, hey, maybe Carlton fans this morning are thinking Ooh. Charlie Kerno for PM. I yeah. tell you what, it's not bad. Wasn't how he good? unreal last night? We're going to have to talk about how good this man is, yep. Joey. What makes him so good? Because they got Harry Mackay waiting in the wings. And you think in that second half of the season, particularly finals, a big stage with Mackay next to Kerno. It was unstoppable last night. They're underway. Marquee Friday night fixture. Beautiful kick to Kerno. 55 out. Charlie gets moving straight away. Season open. Goal square. What about that, Charlie? Just got back on the ground. Little Motlop's got it, Jesse. Charlie down the back. Charlie Kerno has five. Across the 50 now. Charlie Kerno hits it sweetly. It's holding. Charlie has six. Open to Perroes, though, and Cal get another one. Fisher, he had a cider before. Can he bend this one through? He can't take Fisher. Siren, Blues fans celebrate. Carlton win it. 
102 to 87. Yes, good morning, Carlton fans. Waking up following a 15-point win over the Sydney Swans last night at Marble Stadium. It means the Blues are 8-2 and two and strengthening their spot in the top four. Charlie Kerno was the star with five goals by halftime, six all up. Joey J, where Michael Voss has this group after just 10 games in charge is fairly exciting. It is exciting, absolutely. It's uh, it's quite remarkable what they are doing. We all thought they would improve with, it, with a new coach and a new system, particularly defensively, but I don't think we thought they'd be this good this quick. But they, they are just playing brutal footy. They are tough all over the ground. They're exciting to watch. They hit the scoreboard, and their defense is slowly getting better uh, as they continue to play more together. So it, it's an exciting time. I really enjoy watching Carlton play footy. Look, Charlie Kerno was the big story for me last night. I mean, before he had his knee injuries, was it Dermot Brereton said who said that he could be the number one player in the competition? It was a big call, and he's had such an unlucky run. Kath, I think you were saying, was it four games in yeah, two so years? Four or... games in two seasons. He hasn't missed a game this year now. He's yep. kicked 33 goals. The most he's ever kicked in a season was 34 in 2018. <laughs> so we had those knee injuries, and we were all sort of wondering, well, is he going to get back at all? And last night, Joey, rocking the big stage, he looked absolutely unstoppable. What is it that makes this man... So good. He's got the mobility, the marking power, um, you know, the, the kicking power. Yeah, well, he's he, got it all. He, what he does is he wins his one-on-one. So there's a stat that I saw last week, and I haven't got it right with me now, but basically Dustin Martin's got the record for the most ever sort of winning percentage of one-on-ones inside forward 50. That year in 2017 yep. where no one could beat Dusty in a one-on-one. At the moment, Charlie Curnow is on track to beat that record of Dusty's. He just wins one-on-ones. Yep. He's unstoppable. He's got that rock star sort of – there's an aura about Charlie Curnow. Yeah, yes. You know, you just can't there explain what it is, but – you can't but help but love him. Like I sent a message to a Carlton supporter and just did the old Charlie the Love Heart. Like, you know, if you're a young kid as a Carlton supporter right now, how exciting that you can have Charlie Curnow if, as your idol that you, you grow up wanting to, you know, wanting to be like or going to the footy to watch because he's just scintillating to, to watch play but footy. But then also their smalls like Dern and Motlop last night. They were enormous as well. And that's so important. And, and these ones are like the no-name small forwards, like mm. Owies and yeah. Durden. Motlop's coming to the side, Zach Fisher. Like, but they just do their role and they are tough as well. They get after the opposition. They pressure. They play their role. I think that they've got a really nice balance. And again, though, for me, we, we've spoken about Carlton's spine for a number of years, That that the key pillars. And again, it was no surprise. Jacob Wiering did an excellent yeah. job. He was terrific. Charlie Curnow, full forward. And then the ruck, I thought Tom DeConning was was excellent. I really think he's growing of age. Um, so they've got the spine covered. We know about how big and tough their midfield is. Now you had the pieces around them. I said at the start of the year, they've got all the ingredients. Yep. They just needed Michael Voss to put it all together, and yep. I think he's doing that. The defensive system. Let's uh, go to Michael Voss after last night's game. Speaking about that defence and how steady and reliable it's become. I felt like we showed an incredible defensive resilience. You know, I've, I've heard lots of conversations about this group and this club about being able to defend for longer, and, you know, we were able to do that tonight. We've had other games where you sort of look and think, geez, we were um, maybe lucky in the end to win because we just, uh, it, it became so so much about chaos and we weren't able to recover it that well. And in the final few minutes, we were able to find something. You know, somehow through that all chaos, we were able to still defend and be strong and repel any entries that were coming. Coming in. All right, let's forecast forward here, Joey. Let's indulge the Carlton fans. So they've probably got the All-Australian centre-half back in Jacob Wiedering. They might have the Brownlow medalist and captain in the middle in Patrick Cripps. And up forward, they've got Mackay and Kerno. <laughs> How far can this Blues juggernaut go? 
Well, I said on uh, the midweek rub, Daisy Thomas was still a bit nervous about Carlton. He sort of maybe had that sort of, oh, I'm not sure. But what, as in not as sure in that they can? How good, how good they are and, and whether they would fall away. And I said, they defence wins finals. I said, they, no, but that's, that's the thing. Their defence is not, is not top, so, sort of top eight at the moment. So they've got to still improve their defence. It's getting better. But for me, they can make a prelim with the way that they play offensively with their contested possession. That's their standout. That's their one. Would they can play in a prelim? Yep. You make a, a good point how, how tough they are and their force and all that. The boys were talking last night. They've got this greater ability to wear tackles yep. this season. That's a, that's a lot of Michael Voss coming through there. Yeah, that is. That's a, they would have trained that. I mean, you see how you play is what you train. So they would have trained to just absorb the tackle. Don't panic. Don't just sort of handball it away or kick it on the boot. Take the tackle, ride it. If you get pinged holding the ball, I don't care. That would be Voss's instructions, mm-hmm. but give a good option. And it helps that they're also big in there. Like Matt Kennedy, chair is bigger than you yeah. think. Hewitt, Cripps, even Sam Walsh's strength for, for his age and size is, is phenomenal. Uh, they, they're ticking a lot of boxes and they're great to watch. They play Melbourne Cath, I think, round 22, Carlton, which is going to be a huge test for them on the eve of the finals. I think that's one to really circle in the fixture. I just like their next three weeks. They've got Collingwood, Richmond, Essendon. At the MCG in their next three games. <laughs> so they could go. How good's that? Well, just the just the teams they're playing: Essendon, yep. Richmond, Collingwood, like the big Melbourne clashes at the G. And you're circling every Carlton game now. Yep. Going, I want to watch that. Yeah, mm. spot on. Great win for the Blues. Enjoy that, Blues fans. Up next, we're going to chat a bit of motorsports. So there's a lot happening in regional Victoria. We've got two um, blockbuster AFL games this mm. weekend or today, actually, and then also the supercars yeah. are in country Victoria. So we're going to. Chat to Greg Russ about that next. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joe Jankath. The Dead Set Legends, Triple M. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Yes, Greg Russ joins us on the line, as he always does on Dead Set Legends. Morning, Rusty. Hey, the supercars are in country Victoria this weekend. This Queenslanders, they're coming into enemy territory. Yeah, it's a little bit like a state of origin, Kath. Good morning to you. So, the Queensland-based teams, as you know, have the, the heavyweights at the pointy end of the ladder at the moment with uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and Red Bull Racing. Shane's leading the series by 164 points coming in. We know that Dick Johnson racing is strong, but a couple of the Victorian squads, particularly Cam Waters for Sickman Racing, they'll have the elbows out there this weekend, and Brad Jones Racing who are literally just up the road from the, the Winton Circuit. So it should be a good weekend there. Practice underway as, uh, as we talk this morning on the Legends, and you can keep up to date. Uh, with those times in Triple M News. And the F1 is in Spain this weekend. Rusty, you know, that gets me excited. Ferraris were fast again uh, in overnight practice. And the Mercedes look a little bit uh, bit better too. But they're all talking about cloning or, or copying. <laughs> so what's the story? Do we think the suspicion is that Aston, Aston Martin has basically copied the Red Bull car? And is there, isn't there similar allegations about Haas on Ferrari? Is this legit or... So in, in terms of, the, the, of the, the headline example that you're talking about, which is Aston Martin and Red Bull, mm. the officials have looked at it and for now have rubber-stamped it and said it's okay. Now, Christian Horner at Red Bull Racing says, well, not surprising we've got some alleged similarities here with the flaws of the car, given that some Red Bull staff have moved to Aston Martin in, in recent time or, or been poached. That's not to say that someone's taken a USB stick or something with them. But as you can appreciate, when you've got teams of hundreds of people, you know, what, what you keep upstairs, even from a driver's perspective, what you keep upstairs in, in the brain uh, when you move to new passes, you know, you, you can't do anything about that really. So, but for now, they've got the, the tick and they say it's A-OK. So a bit of copycat stuff going on in the schoolyard. 
And Rusty, will Jack Miller stay at Ducati next year? There's a bit of a rider shuffle potentially happening. Yeah, that's right. And and exacerbated by the fact that Suzuki are due to, to pull out of the sport, unfortunately, at the end of the year. So there's a lot of riders that are playing that, that game of musical chairs. Um, now, Jack is with the factory team at the moment. As you guys know, he picked up a bit of silverware last time out in France. The talk in recent time is that he might go back to the satellite Ducati team where he's had success before. But this week, there's been a bit of talk emerged that KTM is a possibility as well. And Remy Gardner, uh, the Aussie, the son of Wayne Gardner, is within the mix there at KTM at the moment as well. So interesting times in MotoGP. And as I leave you this morning, Scotty McLaughlin in the top 10 at the end of Fast Friday at Indianapolis. Really cool. Isn't he one of the greats? Mm. Love seeing him excel overseas. Hey, Rusty, appreciate your time. Have a great weekend, guys. See you. Rusty. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Saturday scoreboard, the Melbourne Storm. They take on uh, the Cowboys this afternoon at 5.30. Of course, they got beaten last week in Magic Round by Penrith. Uh, so they'll be looking to bounce back. And we've seen that Craig Bellamy is going to continue on as coach. You'll be watching that since it's a twilight spot, Joey. You'll be... Oh, <laughs> normally would. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, 5.30, everyone's Abs- watching. Absolutely. <laughs> Much better time slot for people that are at home and uh, not out and about. Hey, the NBA, the uh, oh, yes. the, champion, the finals are on at the moment, Jay-Z. We're mm. enjoying this Boston... Miami, that series is tied at one all. Boston looked awesome yesterday. Yes. I think they might win that series against uh, Miami if you see them both at full strength. And the other one, the Golden State Warriors, Dallas, that's the one that I'm fascinated by. It's basically Luka Doncic first, the whole Golden State Warriors yes. team. Let's be honest. Luka couldn't get the job done in no. game one. He's going to have to have a big one today, starting at 11 o'clock for game two, if they can try and upset the Warriors. If they're a one-man band. Pretty and that's much. what's going to cost them, the Mavericks. Pretty much. Where yeah. Golden State have got four guys that can all shoot the lights out. So he's yeah. up against it. Hey, just a quick one. Uh, we spoke to Dwight York a yes. couple of weeks ago. We enjoyed he's that con- chat. Yeah, yeah, he's now confirmed to head coach MacArthur FC in the A-League. So he'll be the next really? coach of the A-League for two years. So that's exciting. It's a have, good get. Have a, have a profile like him coaching in the A-League. Can he coach? I've got no idea. <laughs> can party. It can or not right. It might be good. So anyway, there's a little bit of Saturday scoreboard, Kath. Gents, big news story during the week was the grand final time slot. So it is remaining at the traditional time slot of 2.30. So it's been away from the MCG for two years. Returns to Melbourne this year and it is going to be at the same time of 2.30 in the afternoon. Before I get your thoughts, let's listen to Luke Darcy's thoughts on the Friday huddle last night. The idea that... Twilight is bad for the fans is just every single marquee event happens at that time in everyone's life when you take your kids to the moot. I mean, it's there is no doubt. The only thing that is downside is that you lose about, you know, half of the country who won't watch it because of the time zone, i.e. New South Wales and Queensland. I I find it the most staggering decision of the year uh, in the most commercial environment. And we need it more than ever. I'm with you, Dust. It's just, uh, you know, the traditions, you know, I, I get at one level, but not when it's a decision like that. So it did shock me too, because I thought there was serious momentum around the twilight start time of, what, 430 and we saw it last year in Perth, and it was an absolute spectacle at Optus Stadium starting in the afternoon, and then the nighttime kicks in. And also, as the boys were alluding to last night, you've got a rugby league fan in Sydney. Are they going to watch the AFL Grand Final at 2.30? Probably not. They're most likely going to tune in at night time when everyone's at home or at the pub and watching telly. I like the spectacle of a Twilight Grand Final. I think, um, you know, I think it, it makes more commercial sense. But the reality is on this... Myself, yourself, Luke Darcy, we're in the minority. 
Really? Every time the Herald Sun asks this question in its fan vote every single year, 80%, 70 to 80% of the fans say, we want a day grand final. It is clear that the bulk of the average footy fan out there like the tradition. But why do you think that is? Why? I, I don't think it's broken. I think if you ask them, they like what the routine. What if it can be better? What if you say something well, can be better? Because it feels to me, I think but, there's a lot. But hang on, hang on, hang on. Just of, hang on a sec, yeah. Joey, right? Is a day game a better spectacle than a night game? No. You don't reckon? Like, is in the quality of the game. Do we do we think that the day game provides the best conditions? No. So, dew, etc. Lights? Lights don't make any difference. Okay. Um, the issues with kids... Potentially, in a, you know, in a in a later time slot. I know it's not that late, that much later, but four thirty to seven thirty. I mean, my kids start to go a bit crazy at the witching hour, whatever they call it, at six mm. o'clock. I, I think Gil McLaughlin here is listening to the punter, and given the the upheaval and disruption we've had over the past three years, that is why. Now, I think potentially next year it could change, but I think this is a really contextual decision. And the, and, the, and the facts are that the bulk of the average uh, footy public out there want to keep it at day. What do you guys think when you watch a State of Origin game at night way compared better. to the AFL way better. final? It's way better. From a TV mm. spe- yeah, point of view. Spectacle. Now, I, and I tend to agree with that. There's and something that, about the drama of nighttime as well. Yeah. It, well, yeah. that's why it's, isn't it prim, everything's prime time. Everything is better at not, like generally at night time and gets the audiences. I, my view is in general, I think a lot of people just don't like change. People just yep. are comfortable. I mean, I think the whole, we talk about the politics, I think that's the whole Libs take is, you know, trying to scare people into don't change because change is scary. Well, people don't one. like change. That's why people just take like tradition. I don't. I think there's necessarily if you actually if you actually put it together like Luke Darcy said, it makes mm-hmm. more sense financially, commercially, from a spectacle point of view, for an eyeballs point of view, that Twilight is better. Well, give us I, one valid reason. Yeah. Okay, Jay Z, I'll put mm-hmm. this to you. Give mm-hmm. us one valid reason as to why the AFL Grand Final will be worse starting at four thirty instead of two thirty. Because the people don't want it. No, give us a valid reason. Is it, why? Yeah, why is it worse? Why? Um, why is it worse? I think people want to watch the watch watch the biggest game of the year in the in the daytime as they've always done in the best conditions, at a time that suits their lifestyle. I think if you ask most people, that's what they'd say. I think if you ask most people, the most eyeballs are Friday night footy, Saturday night footy, nighttime footy gets the most eyeballs. People don't watch the footy Saturday afternoons. So you look at the ratings, audiences, mm-hmm. a two o'clock game on a Saturday afternoon no longer gets the ratings from a seats on bums on seats or in eyeballs. Yet for the biggest game of the year, we think that that's all of a sudden going to get the most eyeballs and, the, and be the biggest draw card. It just doesn't quite make sense to me. Well, all the finals are at night, except, for the, big, exactly, except, for, the, the, except exact, for the biggest exactly. day of the year. Why is that? Because the people like the, the routine of it. Like when we were kids, you know, you'd have a barbecue, you'd have your mates around, and you'd have, you'd have a great day together. And I think people enjoy that. And we can also, still do that with a 4.30 start. Also, one of your memories as a kid watching footy is a grand final. Yep. Isn't it? Mm. And so we want to get as many kids watching it in terms of also interstate kids, New South Wales kids, Queensland kids, and they're probably not going to be watching it at 2.30. Yep. Imagine if It's like a lot of us in, watching rugby, don't we? We generally watch the state of origin at night time. You yep. might watch a game if it's on on a Friday because night or Saturday night and in you're at home. Prime time. In prime time. Mm. Okay, Joey and I are on the same page here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind the, the Twilight Grand Final, but the bulk of people don't. That's yep. clear. 
That's interesting. Mm. Gents, the PGA Championship well and truly underway. Cam Smith is up at the pointy end of the leaderboard. Lucas Herbert had a great first round, however, has fallen back after shooting three over today. 2006 US Open champion Jeff Ogilvy joins us on the line. Jeff, what have you made of our main man Cam so far? Yeah, he's played well. Um, he didn't quite have the day today. I don't think that he kind of wanted the the wind looked like it laid down this afternoon and they sort of all made a few birdies this afternoon, but he's still going all right. I mean, he's two under seven back going in the weekend, but it's a tough course. So, um, we know he sort of likes the pointing end of a major towards the end. So he's still in there with a chance. Jeff, just looking at the top of the leaderboard, some familiar names, Bubba Watson, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and then... A couple of uh, youngsters, Will Zalatoris, we see him in the U.S. Masters. He goes all right in yeah. the, at the Masters. But Mito Pereira, the Chilean, don't know much about him. Top of the leaderboard. How's it looking at the top end at the moment? Yeah, as you say, I mean, Zalatoris has got all the wraps on him. He hits the ball. His ball striking, they all just, like, froth on his ball striking. It's a lot of greens. His putting can be questionable. He puts some pretty interesting putting strokes on it if they get close <laughs> to his putter, um, which can be a bit scary. But he's making them this week, so... Well done. Mito Pereira, yeah, first time probably up in this sort of rare air, I guess, but great player. And the South Americans have got a – I don't know. There's just something about the South Americans that just have a really cool way they play golf, really natural, not too technical. He's got, he's he's up there his first time in a major, so it'll be fun to watch him. And, of course, Justin Thomas. I mean, Justin Thomas is sort of almost everyone's favourite going into all these tournaments, so – um. He hasn't won a major for five years, so he'll be uh, looking to have a good weekend too. Cam, you mentioned Cam Smith and, and putting in particular. I mean, he's uh, he feels like a real cult figure on the uh, circuit at the moment, on the tour at the moment. Um, Joey and Kath, do you think he has he got the game um, to become number one, Jeff? I think so. He certainly has the moxie. Um, <laughs> he's just got that cool way about him. He's very Australian, bit of a larrikin. <laughs> I think I think the mullet sort of attracts a fair bit of attention. Um, and he's just got a cool way about him and people like being around him. So that uh, makes them all follow him. And, yeah, his game, he doesn't have the biggest game. I mean, the sort of top four or five in the, in the world these days tend to be guys who smash the ball a really long way and sort of have a really big, powerful game. He's sort of more of a crafty guy who sort of gets it around. He hits it plenty far enough, yep, but not quite as hard as the big guys. Um, so he could absolutely have a period. We've seen guys with his style of game get to number one in the world. So... No reason why not. And he's the sort of guy who uh, he sort of loves. He loves, as I said, he loves the sort of the pointy end of the golf tournament. He loves the sort of the pressure and the intensity of the last sort of nine holes of a big tournament. And that's sort of what you need to get up to number one. So no reason why not. He's a cool customer. There's no doubt about that. I tend to go to water on the green and uh, end up in the baggy, in the bag, the cabbage, excuse me, where he plays. <laughs> Can't even say it, though, Joey. <laughs> where, uh, he plays very smart golf. Hey, Jeff, what about um, the talk around the Saudi league at the moment? It seems a, but such a big issue for golf and who's defecting and who's um, playing. And I'm, I'm having a look at the numbers. It's the eye-watering how much prize money. What is it, like over £200 million for uh, about eight events, et cetera. Do you think... Is this going to get off the ground or do you think it all falls over from here? How is, is this really happening, do you think? Um, well, who knows? It's probably going to be decided in the courts. It's, um, it's a bit of a legal issue. It's a very, I mean, it's very interesting. I think there's kind of two issues here. I think one is where the money's coming from, mm. which is obviously a bit of a hot topic for everybody. And that's a debate, I think. That's a separate debate, I think the politics and all that about arguing that if the money's coming from Saudi Arabia or anywhere else. Yep. But the main issue really is the PGA Tour from outside looking in is considered a little bit of a bully. It's a little bit of a monopoly. 
Um, once you play on the PGA Tour, they're sort of very, very restrictive and don't really let you play anywhere else without their approval. And mm. the legal issue is, are they allowed to do that or not? Because golfers are technically independent contractors um, and we can theoretically choose wherever we want to play, whenever we want to play, but the PGA Tour are saying, saying that you can't. So there's some media rights issues and sort of playing in conflicting events is sort of where they're saying if you go play these events, um, the PGA Tour is going to ban you from playing on the PGA Tour ever again, which is would be a pretty tough penalty. But the the other side of things, the LIV, Greg Norman, Saudi side of things are saying they can't actually do that legally. So it's kind of an interesting issue. I guess it's a little bit like the old Rebel Cricket Tour days. And um, uh, yep. It's, yep. It's, sort of, it's got similarities to the IPL sort of style thing. The Saudi group is just trying to create a sort of 10, 12, 14 event tour that sort of sits on top or as well as the PGA Tour. And they seem to think that the two can coexist in golf. The PGA Tour don't think they can coexist. And so, yeah, the, the time will tell what happens. Um, there's a lot of big name players, generally older players, you know, Sergio Garcia, Lee Westwood. Um, those guys seem to be putting their hand up saying, I'm definitely going to go and play these things. But the PGA Tour is saying, well, if you do that, you can't come back and play. So um, it's interesting times for sure. Mm. <laughs> It's not like a little retirement payout, is it, by any chance? Like, it's not a sort of a farewell little... Well, that's maybe what it might be for a few of the older players. <laughs> hey, Jeff, appreciate your time this morning. No worries. Well, gents, we have to... I thought you were going to ask him a little sneaky St Kilda question. Nah, that's all right. He's a big Saints supporter. He's, yeah. he's enjoying watching the boys this year. Yeah, he'll be enjoying it, as all Saints fans are in 2022. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. A little bit sad yesterday, well, very sad yesterday, to hear the news that Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody was retiring from the game immediately. So 126 games, 153 goals, retires at the age of 29. He's one of the fan favourites, not just Essendon fans, but the wider footy community. Jay-Z, why? What were the reasons behind? Because we're going to miss him. Yeah, he's an extraordinary story, um, Tipper. To think that, um, and Hamish McLaughlin had an incredible interview. I think it's the best thing I've ever read. I remember reading that yeah. too. It, it, from a footy story, I think it's the best best footy story I've, I've ever read over the past 10 years. I mean, this was a man who experienced incredible challenge and hardship growing up in the Tiwi Islands. He's 10 years old. He's looking after his brother's one-year-old baby. That much sort of food, resources, provisions, nappies, etc. It's hard for me, Joey, mm-hmm. as a as a 40-year-old, let alone um, when you're 10. So he gets adopted. He comes to Gippsland, age 16, and his schooling level is about grade one. Right, so reading and writing. So it, it, his, his story outside of football, I just love. And I've just got so much respect and admiration for him. But it's clear that over the past six months, he's had some personal issues. He's been unable to commit to a, a training discipline standard. He's obviously put on weight. He hasn't had the fitness. He's lost, lost conditioning. And despite all that and the challenges, over the past few months, he's got back on the horse. And busted his backside to try and commit to the standard. But then it gets to, what are we, round nine, round 10, round 10. And, you know, it's clear to him that he's probably not going to get back there and it is time to pull the pin. Does he have the passion to go on anymore? Well, um, no, he doesn't. But, I mean, I remember him kicking seven goals against Brisbane in 2019, Joey and Kath. And I interviewed him afterwards for Triple M. The smile on his face (laughs) for a boy who just lived his dream on the MCG, he was like a split watermelon. It was (laughs) just an absolute joy to talk to him and to watch him do his thing because at his peak, Joey, and remember he was rookie listed. He come from nowhere. He was one of the 
best small forwards in the competition yeah. around sort yeah. of 2017 to 2020, kicked 34 majors twice, 17 and 21. Yep. I mean, that is prime. You couldn't take your eyes off this man. No, nah, and that's why we love going to the footy, watching players like him, that natural ability to step in traffic, yeah. break tackles, kick goals. He then would do the rundown chases where yeah. you would freak out if you were a defender. In the back line and he was coming, he was a beautiful kick for goal. Yeah. He, he, had a, he had a great career. And, and we, you're right. I mean, we, we don't sometimes sit back and recognize that, the challenges to even get to AFL, yeah. then to actually have a career and have a successful career. And he's done an amazing job, and we just wish him well in his life post-footy now that he's he set himself up and, and can flourish with whatever he wants to do next because he put joy on our faces watching AFL footy oh, while he was playing. 100%. I thought, you know, you'd ask a question, who do you want to kick a goal for your life? Like a set for, shot from 35 while, metres. Tipper was yeah. number one, wasn't he? He never missed set shot. He yeah. was deadly. The day he kicked seven goals, I think he kicked seven one. Now, it was an emotional farewell, Rosie, with his teammates yesterday. He's as popular as anyone inside uh, Tullamarine. We're going to listen now um, to his farewell to the teammates and staff. And as you can hear, he fights back tears. I'll miss this club. I love this club so much. I gave me the opportunity to pursue my dream. And, um, and I'm going to miss every one of you. I love this club. I love you boys so much. Um, I'm really thankful enough to you know, follow my dream. Uh, big dream was to get an education and from there to pursue my dream of playing AFL football and you know growing up that's what I wanted to do and um, even though it's sad for me I think I'm, I'm happy to make a decision where I think it's best for me in my life right now. So, I mean, Essendon has missed him this year. They've missed his forward tackle pressure. You know, he's a goal-kicking craft inside the forward 50, so they have really missed him. Kath, and hopefully the Bombers can celebrate him, honour him tonight, that massive clash against Richmond. I think that's what all Essendon fans and footy fans will want to see. Just yep. a quick one on the fixture. Yes. So, round 16 to 19, locked in. I'm a big fan of the rolling fixture, and this is yeah, why. So, it. Carlton and St Kilda are probably the two big winners, uh, Joey and Kath. Round 16, Friday night, it's Blues versus Saints. Round 18, it's Bulldogs versus Saints. And then Saturday night, Blues v Cats at the MCG. That is going to be an absolute beauty. But one of the games I'm most looking forward to in this uh, period of fixtures is Geelong versus Melbourne, round 17. Now, that's a GMHBA stadium, Joey. <laughs> mm-hmm. If Geelong knocked off the Demons then, there's a kind of potential... To flip this season on its head a little bit. <laughs> Probably not. <Lock. laughs> Probably not. Just shut that down, didn't you? Uh, nah, well, well, remember what happened when Melbourne went there last time? Yes, it was all. And they won they the minor won up, premierships, you, and they were like 38 points down, and then yeah. Choco Williams was in the song in the change yeah. rooms after. Nah. That was epic. Yeah, it depends by round 17, Jay-Z, how many losses Melbourne have had. We might be wanting them to have a loss by about. <laughs> yeah. They might be 16 and zip, and we're like, you know, they're due for one, so... Long way out, but that's going to be a beauty. There's a lot of blockbusters Thursday night, Friday night footy, so can't wait for that. Rolling yep. fixture is clearly the way to go. I've got no it. doubt about that. But you know, Kathy, you try and pump do you do up a the survey? Game. Do you do a survey on the, <laughs> the Herald Sun survey, the uh, rolling fixture? Do people, are people okay with that? Nothing's Not changed, Rosie. You're still tearing me down. No, I like it. No. <laughs> it is really Joey Kath up against Jay Z. Jay Z's used to it. Oh. He takes it well. Um, hey, we've got plenty coming up in the next hour. So Kate McCarthy is going to join us following the new CBA announcement. So season seven of the AFLW has a start date. We're ready to go. Plus Chris Johnson in week one of Sir Doug Nichols' round. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joey Jane Kath. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey Montagna, Jay-Z Clark and Fox Footy's Kath Lockman as they talk all things sport and tackle the big topics. Would we be able to fit nine AFL games into one weekend at one venue? Like Melbourne's already the hub of... Yeah, in Queensland, Gabba and um, Gold Coast pop in the moomoos. 
<laughs> this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Yes, you are listening to Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joey J and Kath. Do I have to explain Moomoos? Like, Moomoos is a I great little Moomoos. bar. Beautiful little spot. Yeah, yeah, can't fit many people. It's going to be hard to fit, like, nine footy teams into yeah. Moomoos, though. It's not the big... Haven't had a bad time there. No, it's not the biggest <laughs> venue, though, but it's Always a good... comes back to being on the fizz with you, Joey. Always go. Good little spot. It hey, does. it was a big week for our Dead Set Legends team. Mm-hmm. You did we... your photo shoot. I, so I finally did my little official Noticed you went in the all-black attire. Well, that's the Triple M well, it's way. Normally, that's normally my attire because it makes you look a bit slimmer wearing the all, all black. So normally I go with the all black. But we noticed well, Kath went... So now we've got our group shot. Yeah, and we're just having a look at it. We're sending on the uh, WhatsApp group and... Notice Kath's like real front and square, like in yes. front of like yeah. us two in the photo, like That's taking pole position. <laughs> unsurprising, Joey, <laughs> considering you and I. But we've all got our arms crossed. We've all gone the real tough yeah. stance. We don't look very welcoming there, do we? It's not like, hey, come we, and listen to like Dead Set Legends. It's three like individuals. Yeah, we look like don't three. Listen, <laughs> don't come near us. You see the you see the radio billboards. Normally they're all laughing and smiling <laughs> and happy. Actually, you're laughing. You're you've got a half smile going on. I'm, I'm trying my yeah. best. He's laughing at one of his own jokes. <laughs> You know, you know when I there. when I look at those photos, I think I would love to have been there during your promo shoot. But they're like, Jay Z, just give us a half laugh yes. for us. It's just, <laughs> so awkward. It is. It is awkward. We need a more natural shot. We need to have us at the pub having a beer, and then we just get some photo shots taken. <laughs> that Rosie, you can be in that one too. More natural. That's exactly right. Why are you too serious? You look very tall in the photo, actually, Joey. Well, he was standing. Well, shoulders like, back. You, great. You look great. Look very rare. Do I look tall, but standing next to you two, I sort of actually <laughs> don't look out of place, which I like. Hey, That's question. Yes. Why is it? Obviously, I'm I'm last to the party, so mm. my name comes last. But why is it Joey J wow. and Kath? Why isn't it wow. J Joey and Kath? Wow, it's pretty obvious. Why isn't it? <laughs> One of us played 287 games on two time All Australian. Uh, that's not right. It just flows better, I think. Does that's it? all. Not because of anything like that. Kath, Jay, and Joey, maybe. <laughs> hey, can I? Can we get on with pick one? Um, Kath, we are trying to yes. ask you a, uh, a curly question. Uh, get you off the fence for a change, Joey. Who would you rather pick one if you could only have one in your team tomorrow? Would you rather have Charlie Kerno or Harry Mackay? Yes, this is a good one. Ooh, thank I've you. been asking a few of my friends this in recent weeks. I asked on midweek rub, I asked Wayne Carey. I'm going Charlie Kernow. Would you? Yeah. If, if we're, we've got to take into consideration the durability, so we'll presume from here that he stays fit. Mm-hmm. At the moment, he's more durable than Big Harry, who's injured. But mm-hmm. I, I think I think Charlie Kernow, I think he can just do a little bit more. I think he can get higher up the ground. Um, and probably just because I love the way that he plays. I love watching him play. It's yep. a tough one. You're splitting hairs, but it's, that's why we do pick one. Mm-hmm. I would take going forward, if I could only have one of the two for the next 10 years, in my team, I would take Charlie Kerno. Who are you going, JZ? Um, for the durability factor, I think I would go Harry Mackay. Mm. Just got the asterisk on Charlie's knees. I think maybe it's a safe conservative call. I think I would still go Harry. Like if he was on the free market, Harry, mm. you know, he would go for really big bucks. We've been talking about the Kings. I yep. think, you know, Harry, what was he? Pick 10. That's been an extraordinary pick. I got one for you, Indigenous themed. Okay. Different one, yep. um, Kath. Mm-hmm. Um, who... Was if you, if who do you think's had the uh, better career? Who was the you better? You should ask Chris Johnson this. Who's coming? Better player. Well, no, I want to ask you. Okay. I want your opinion on this. All right. Andrew McLeod or Adam Goods? What was the question? Who had the better? Well, career? if you had to pick, if you had to pick one player to watch or play with, who who do you who are you taking? Adam Goods or Andrew McLeod? <sighs> Both absolute superstars. I no, hate, that's an easy I one. At their peak. Me. I'm not. I shouldn't say an easy one. I hate I, pick one. 
<laughs> I really hate this segment. Make you squirm. Who are you going? I'm a massive Andrew McLeod fan. I've what? said he was one of my favourite players growing up. I said if, when I was a kid, if I could play footy like anybody, I would love to play footy like Andrew McLeod. Two-time the way that Norm he just glided, two-time Norm Smith, the way that he glided across the field. Goods won a Brownlow. Goods won a Brownlow. Mm. McLeod went very close to winning a couple of Brownlows. I reckon he was top three a couple of times. I loved Andrew McLeod. He's my favourite Indigenous yeah. player of all time, probably. You know what's beauty about being a host? You don't have to answer. You <laughs> throw to the next break. Throw to the next break, and that's what I'm going to do. The Dead Set Legends, Triple M. Guys, AFLW players certainly had reason to smile on Thursday. A new CBA was reached between the AFL and Players Association. It means a start date for Season 7 has been set. It will begin on the final weekend of August, which is the pre-finals by the men's competition, so all eyes will be fixated on round one of AFLW. Most importantly, the CBA delivered the women a significant pay rise, which was richly deserved. So a 94% pay rise. Kate McCarthy has been along for the entire journey of the AFLW. She is a foundation player of the competition and joins us on the line. Kate, what was your reaction to the CBA announcement? Uh, Morning, guys. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, But yeah, it was a significant day, I think, for not only AFLW players, but for women's sports players all over um, Australia, just to I think really cement um, a bit of faith in women's sport and especially the AFLW. It was great that the AFL and the AFL Players Association could reach an agreement and one that was a really favourable outcome. So what does it um, mean, Kate? I mean, we've heard um, a couple of the sort of women's players saying it's it's life-changing because you are having to juggle, you know, full-time work with and really high expectations around your, um, you know, your, your professional football football career. So what, what can you tell us, what, what does it mean practically for a lot of the uh, female players? Yeah, I think um, for the top end players at teams, it will definitely mean that they don't need to work anymore. Um, they'll be on contracts that will definitely pay their um, salaries for the whole year. And then for your younger players as well that are all probably at university, um, it's, it's huge for them because they don't need part-time jobs now while they're at uni um, studying and trying to play football. So that frees up a number of hours in the week as well. Um, so I think it just means that the juggling can be a lot less. Um, for people like me that work full-time, we can look at cutting back to part-time during the season or things like that. Um, or it puts you in a position that if you can sort of still work full-time and be able to save a lot of that salary mm-hmm. to set yourself up a little bit more because for the last six years, I think a lot of us, um, talking mainly from myself, but I know a lot of other players um, have had to, lose a lot of income trying to do that because you've cut back your hours at work because you can't really commit to that much. Um, but you're not actually getting paid for all the training that you're doing. So I think it's a huge outcome in that terms of things. And the biggest one for me is that we're now contracted 12 months of the year. So that means access to facilities. It means access to staffing. Um, but also that when we're doing our pre-season running, which we've done for the last six years outside of that contracted period of time, it means that we're actually getting paid to do it. We're chatting to AFL player and Triple M's very own Kate McCarthy. Kate, now that the the fixture's locked in for the last week of August and the finals will be played through November, how do the majority of the girls feel about that? Is that a comfortable spot in the sort of yearly schedule to play women's football? Is that sort of been the the consensus? Yeah, we're all stoked that it's sort of ending up before that big summer period comes into play and, and also being able to, I guess, play when everyone has footy fever through finals when our season's starting. I think previously starting in that sort of mid-January or early January, it it creeps up on people and people are doing other things with their lives at that time of year. And that's also really nice that we'll get our Christmas break back for the last 
six years we've been all off. I've, I think because mm. I play in Melbourne, obviously, and I have family in Brisbane, so I get maybe six days off to go up and spend time with my family. Um, but the whole time I'm up there, I'm doing running or doing different sessions and you never can really relax fully. So to get that summer period back, we all know how much we as Aussies enjoy summer. Mm-hmm. So that's that. You can indulge, yeah. you can indulge at Christmas <laughs> oh. time this year, as opposed to having to stay fit and having to stay away 100%. from the turkey and the beers. Yeah. And New Year's, like, look out, the AFLW players. We're all going to be out and about at New Year's, so look out. Excited by that. And now you won't have to play in 35-degree weather, which is just uh, punishing for you, I'm sure. Just lastly, uh, Kate, the standard so clearly widely acknowledged from uh, our side of the boundary line that the standard has really increased, and we've been loving that. How does the speed and the skill of the game feel from inside it? Yeah, it's definitely just getting more and more open, I think. And that's the thing from the first few years, there was so much talk about how congested it was. Mm. Um, and I think the beauty now of being able to go back and, and play a little bit of VFL, which I've done sort of through the season. And then at the end, you sort of really do see the change in the standard and the congestion. Um, so it's really opened up and a lot of, we've obviously a lot of talk of the younger players that are coming through that will now be full pathway players. And you can see that their skills are elite They're Knowledge of the game is huge as well. So I think that'll only just continue to increase the standards as well. But, yeah, I mean, there's always a lot of comparison to the men's, and which is, I think, a little bit unjust. But, yeah, it, we're just getting better and better. And I think, obviously, the product will only continue to improve now that we can put that extra time into working on our skills and getting more um, time down at the club with elite coaches and in, in elite environments. Yeah, well said and and well-deserved, and we can't wait to see all 18 clubs as well in the competition. Hey, Kate, thanks so much for your time. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. A 94% pay rise, so richly deserved, as I said before. What would you two do if you got a 94% pay rise? Don't think about holidays, yeah, uh, to be honest. I haven't been overseas for a while. No. It'd be nice really. to go overseas. Where's the first spot you're going to overseas? Uh, depends on the time of year, Kath. Depends on the time of year. So I'm we're looking end of sea, end of the, you know, November, December, maybe just a family holiday. Fiji would be nice, somewhere like that. Hawaii. Hawaii. There's a half yeah. marathon in Queenstown in November I want to do, Kath. Apparently it's the most prettiest. beautiful. It pr- is. Prettiest marathon in the world. I'm going Greek islands. That'd be good. Tan me up. That'd be good. <laughs> Jay-Z, I'm dying to talk to you about Dustin Martin's yep. future in the game because this has become, become a hot topic ever since Damien Hardwick said during the week that he gives Dusty his blessing if he wishes to leave Richmond and go elsewhere. He said Dustin Martin does not owe Richmond anything. Yeah. He's been a superstar for the club and everyone agrees with that. But it does make you think, okay, what is going on with Dustin? Yeah. I Where love, does he want to go? Yeah, I loved him as comments. You know, he's saying that he's done so much for us, Dusty. Yep. We're not going to make what's been a really difficult personal time for him any harder by standing in way and, and blocking a trade. So I thought I thought it was just fantastic from Dimmer. Um, and for the Tigers, clubs are buzzing with this Dusty talk. Like, this has been around since about January, February, and the theory is that um, Dusty uh, likes the idea of a more anonymous lifestyle in Sydney, where a lot of his friends are. Um, uh, the lifestyle, um, potentially a change, get out of the Melbourne footy bubble where he doesn't, you know, have to be so un- in the spotlight um, all the time. Now, we can't presume to know what Dusty is thinking and whether he will or won't change his mind. So I think there's water to flow under the bridge on this one. Richmond is officially saying, Dusty's not saying anything about um, us to this. But as we know with the uh, Lance Franklin deal, 
clubs, if this is going to happen, then the talks do have to get underway at some point. So we've asked list managers, what would a Dustin Martin trade look like? He's 30 years old. And roughly speaking, if there's no players involved, it would be like a first-round pick and a second-round pick. Or um, if it's a Sydney trade, it's either Tom Patley, who's asked to come back to Victoria before, Joan Cathler, even Ollie Florence, who's a good young um, midfielder. So I think, you know, it is – who knows what Dusty wants to do um, – but I, th- I mean, I can understand theoretically how why it would appeal to him. As you said, we can't really speculate too much because we don't know exactly what's going on yeah, with Dustin Martin. But we, yeah. <laughs> but one question I had to you, Joey: one club players being a one club player. Do you think that's becoming a bit of an old fashioned view? Um, no, 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 still... no, I still think it has a, has a, a real strong pride of place. I mean, most players end up one club players. I mean. It's funny, we think that now with some free agency, a lot of more players move, but you can go back through you know time, and it's it's roughly about the same. Very small percentage of players move clubs. A lot do stay at their club. Oh, look, for what it's worth, and on record, I think Dustin will stay at Richmond. I think it just, it's creating good fodder. Everyone's enjoying the conversation, enjoying the chat. Um, but I think he loves that footy club and loves the players he's played with too much to, to, to up and leave. Um, I still think he's got five years of footy left in him. And yep. if that's, so that, that, that's my view. It might be at Richmond. It might be somewhere else, but he can still play it full forward. Like Gary Ablett senior almost for another, you know, till as long as he likes. So, um, it's, it's been interesting chat, but my view, I think he'll stay at Richmond. We don't think any less of Lance Franklin for going to Sydney, do we, Kath? I think it enhanced his legacy in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the rock star. How much he's to the done. Yeah, yeah. How much he's done for footy in New South Wales. I think it's a great point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, you got any trade, other trade? <clears throat> well, I think the mid-season trade period is starting to get a bit of um, momentum. So I think Steve Hocking really uh, considered this idea really strongly when he was a footy manager um, at the AFL. So just say you had a little mid- mid-season trade period in a couple of weeks' time, Joey. I really like the idea of, say, a North Melbourne-Geelong trade where potentially Todd Goldstein goes to Geelong is part of their premiership push. We see where North Melbourne is at Collingwood. Maybe, you know, get some more key defensive help. They've been struggling down their spine. You know, Brody Grundy's gone down. What? How do you think – do you think a mid-season trade period would be good for the game or not? I think 100% it would be good for the game. Yep. I think we need to continue and to mature as an industry and understand that, that there is positives in all this. And I'm sure probably a lot of the day grand final people won't want to hear this. <laughs> They're the traditionalists. But it, it does a couple of things. Like right now, there's a big gap in the ladder. There's only nine teams that we think can play finals. Yep. And a divide. There's yep. a big divide. So why not help teams rebuild quicker by letting them move on some players right now. So Todd Goldstein's an example. There might be some players at the West Coast Eagles. Move them on to clubs that are Hawthorne. contending. Hawthorne as well, another, you know, some give away some midfielders. They get some more early, and you get high-quality draft picks because teams are doing this in season. So it becomes like a bit of a, um, you know, the, 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 not desperate times, but you're, you're more in need of players. So it helps the rebuilding teams get more draft picks so they can rebuild quicker and not yep. be down the bottom half for longer. It makes the top end of the ladder like, way more exciting. If all of a sudden Geelong get a Ruckman or the Bulldogs get a key forward, the Bulldogs get a key forward or a key defender. Um, you know, if teams do that, I think it would be great for the competition. I think eventually it's inevitable. I think yep. movement, more movement for the industry is better for the competition. Yeah, It just helps with that competitive advantage. Because at the moment, we are seeing big gaps. Everyone likes to think it's an even competition AFL. Mm. I don't think it is. I think you look through dynasties. We've had Richmond be by far and away the best team. Yep. Now mm. Melbourne are by far and away the best team. Before that, it was Hawthorne. Before that, it was Geelong. Oh, so, but yeah. We are having teams have periods of dominance. It's not like every year any team can win a flag. So I think we need whatever we can do to actually make that more viable, we should be looking at options. I like it, Joey. Well said. You know what else I like? Sir Doug Nichols round. Yep. One of the great 
uh, events on the AFL calendar. And Chris Johnson's going to join us next to, to chat week one of Sedak Nichols' round. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends with Joe Jane Kath. The Dead Set Legends, Triple M. It is week one of Sir Doug Nichols around a beautiful fortnight on the AFL calendar where we celebrate all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander players past and present plus their contribution to our beloved game and country. Triple Premiership player with the Brisbane Lions, Chris Johnson, joins us on the line. Chris, thanks so much for your time this morning. It's become one of the most popular rounds because of the pre-match ceremonies, the stunning designs on all the jumpers and so many of our Indigenous stars are the favourite players of young fans watching on. How do you view this round and what it means to you? Yeah, no. Thanks for uh, thanks for that uh, introduction. Look, it means it means a lot, I suppose, and I think it just goes back to um, what you were just talking about, how the jumpers have been incorporated by every club. And you know, back in back when I was sort of playing, which is a long time ago, um, you know, we were myself and Darrell White. Uh, we had the opportunity just to lead the team out through the battle. Um, you know, we've come a long way since just just doing that. You know, we've got the Torres Strait Islander flags on there. We've got the Aboriginal flags on there as well. Um, and we've got different many community members that are designing the Aboriginal jumpers. And obviously at uh, at Marvel last night, you just seen all the artwork that was on the ground and the, the, the recognition to the traditional owners, uh, the Rwandri people here in Melbourne as well. And that's going to be right across the competition. That's been going for a long time now. But, um, yeah, it's come a long way uh, in the whole contribution towards, I guess, the awareness and uh, and having conversations around all different bits and pieces around Indigenous culture. I, one of my favourite footy memories of the past couple of years, uh, guys, is when Sydney Stack from Richmond joined in on the yes. the the um the dance, the pre-game mm. dance. And that's I was watching from the stands and it was a really impromptu moment and my heart jumped through my chest because he was a young man who just lived that moment and absolutely loved that moment. Chris, so can you tell us, you take us in, what, what what's it like being an Indigenous player and then getting that stage and that recognition, which is absolutely deserved? What, what do the Indigenous players feel, you know, uh, tonight, dream time at the G, for example, how big, how special is it for the money out there? Oh, especially the boys that are playing for, for, for both sides um, that are representing not just themselves and their football club, but it goes deeper than that. It goes back to their family. Like, if you look at if you look at uh, Morris Jr., like, he's representing, and, and same with Daniel as well, they're representing everyone on the, on, on, on the Tiwi Islands. Mm. Um and, you know, that, that goes a long way. And everyone will be watching it up there and, and watching how they perform. And I think everyone, in terms of, uh, you know, have an Indigenous connection, um, go out and represent their own people and their own family. Um, you know, there's a massive responsibility of getting the four points and the win. But in themselves, they'd that, want to perform um, and they want to be able to contribute towards the win of their football team. So, look, I think it's huge. And, look, you talk about that Sydney Stack moment. That, that was just... That was just natural to him. Yeah. Um, you know, we've never seen a player get involved in the war cry. Uh, we've seen Adam, uh, we've seen Goody do it for uh, a little while, and we had the flying boomerangs within the AFL Indigenous programs do it as well uh, with all the AFL players at the Indigenous Players Association uh, camp a few years ago. And, look, I think dance now has uh, somewhat been uh, respected within, within all the players that, you know, if they can do it, they will do it. And it's not always... Uh, something that we always want to do because some of us aren't that good at it. Uh, but in that hand, Sydney Stack's very good at it. We are chatting to former Fitzroy and Brisbane superstar yes. Chris Johnson. Also, don't forget the impact that has on young Indigenous boys and girls watching at yeah. home mm. to see the, the celebration, to watch their idols. What about for you, J- 
Jono, who were your idols growing up? Who did you look up to? Because we're spoilt now with so many yeah, good Indigenous good players in the competition. Who were, who were your inspirations when you were coming through? Oh, look, being a Carlton man, it was mainly Carlton players. But if, you, if you're talking that, that Indigenous, uh, you know, sort of playing group, you know, Michael McLean was someone that I looked from, from afar. Um, I knew him. Um, I didn't know him when I was at Fitzroy, but knew him uh, that he played at the uh, Western Bulldogs. Um, and then uh, he went up to the Brisbane Bears and captain there and won a number of premierships. You know, he was at, he was in, in the real tough areas uh, in those days where racial vilification would happen regularly on the football field. So, uh, you know, for, for the way Majo used to go about it uh, and what he used to do in that era and hearing his stories, and obviously when I went to the Brisbane Lions, he was still there, then became assistant coach. I had a lot to do with him. He's, he mentored me through being that defender, uh, through the through the lines, uh, uh, good era, and look, he, he's one that really, really stands out to me. And you know, we probably a lot of people, uh, you know, wouldn't even think about a Michael McLean, but yeah. but he's been around for a long time, and he was he was an absolute legend of a player. And I think I've heard Wolsey over over many many years saying he's the best player that uh, that he's ever coached. So. Uh, Michael McLean was one that I certainly looked up to, and obviously you got Nicky and you got uh, Mickey Long as well, and you got all those guys that were playing some fantastic football. And you know who could never forget what Nicky stood up for at Victoria Park yeah. as well. Yeah. So you looked at you looked at those guys, but certainly uh, Magic McLean was uh, was 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 the smooth mover, and uh, <laughs> and I looked at his calves, and I always sort of wanted calves like him. I'm still trying to get those calves. <laughs> what about just one more before you go? It's a hard one too. If you had to pick your favourite current Indigenous player, who is it? Oh, that's that's easy. That's not hard. That's easy. That's easy. I've got to have to go. Hey. I've got um, I've got a few premiership jumpers lying up in my in my house, but I have uh, I have uh, another jumper sitting in my house, and that's of Lance Buddy Franklin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. so Bud's Bud's my man. I love the way he goes about it. And then close second is Cyril Rioli. Oh, weren't they outstanding? Buddy's goal last night, running inside 50, just those moments. He is one of a kind. Chris, thanks so much uh, for your time today. It is a special round of football, and uh, we absolutely take our hats off to you, mate. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good on you guys. That's Chris Johnson, of course. Now, Cath footy fans can catch all the key moments from the historic Dreamtime match between Richmond and Essendon live and free on 7, mate, tonight from 6.30pm. Of course, that's on 7, mate, because there's something else happening on the other channel, which is big for the country in the, in the election. So that's what? on 7, <laughs> the, the, old, uh, the old election. So gee, high stakes tonight too, Joey, isn't it? It's a big game. I'm sure we're going to get to it later, but... Uh, High stakes for the Bombers tonight. What will you guys be doing? Will you be flicking between footy and election coverage? No, nah, footy. I'm at the MCG anyway. I'm doing that game for Triple M. So I'll just, that I'm way. sure we'll get some updates on the election throughout right. the night, but the footy will take precedence. I'd rather poke my eye out with a cucumber, <laughs> a half-eaten cucumber, <laughs> than watch the election coverage over the dream time of the G-Match. So Jay-Z will be watching the footy over the election <laughs> coverage, I everyone. The I think that was yeah. the answer. Gents, tonight, the marquee fixture of Sir Doug Nichols' round, and that is dream time at the G, and it returns to the MCG for the first time since pre-COVID in 2019. The AFL are expecting 70,000 to attend but all the focus is going to be on the Bombers, yep. isn't it? Once the pre-game ceremonies are done and then we, we put our attention solely on the football, it's going to see what are we going to um, witness from this Bombers side after the week they've had. You can't wait for this one, calling this for Triple M tonight. All eyes will be on Essendon, Jay-Z, mm-hmm. to see 
what they dish up. Yep. Like what is their effort and their energy and how they attack Richmond? What does it look like? Is it's it going to be aggressive? Is it going to be just the same old Essendon? Yep. What's going to be different about the Bombers tonight? So I can't wait. Have you got any insight into what the week looked like for yeah. Essendon leading up to this tonight? Uh, so we saw the shots of the competitive training session. So that um, contested ball, which they've been so stinky at. I think they're ranked 16th in the competition with the contested ball. So we saw the mouth guards in a training and it was, um, you know, all, all very full on in their training. So that was great. Inside the club, I think there were some really honest discussions. You know, what are we standing for? You know, there was but some... Have we heard that a couple of times this season? And you can't go to that well. I think... Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you yeah. raise. I don't think you can go to that well too many times. But I think I think there was a lot of eyeball to eyeball, and I think no one was spared. Like, you know, the senior players in particular, they were the ones who were put under the Bunsen burner from Ben Rutten. Really, in that publicly press conference, he said, yeah, we've got to get more from our senior players. So that's yep. Dylan Shield, Andrew McGrath, that's um, Zach Merritt, Dyson Heppel. We know who they are. Because 30 tackles. Yeah, seventeen yeah. year lows. That wasn't good enough. So when you're in this uh, situation, Joey, and th- this is going to be an effort meter for Essendon tonight, yeah. isn't it? We don't want to see cute, polished. The Essendon fans don't want to see complicated game plans, etc. They want to see some real intense. Ross Lyon say bodies spirit. flying. You want to see in the first ten minutes. You want to see bodies flying. Yeah, just taking body, hitting contests, ta- aggressive tackles. Like it doesn't have to be anything stupid or anything. Yeah. That's not possible. Like it is just giving, you think about the way Carlton started last night, like just giving great effort and bodies flying and make it look physical and brutal. So there have been a number of club legends to slam the team's effort. And, yep. and the argument to that is, well, players don't go out there and not try, but are they trying hard enough when yeah. they're laying 30 tackles? Yeah, there, That's the question. Yeah, there is different levels of trying because the re- think about when you watch a, a prelim final or a grand final, that, that's mm. that's level of trying. And then you can't say home and away footy or, you know, for every week it looks exactly the same, particularly for some teams in particular. So, yes, there is another level you can go to. You can play like it's life and death. And mm. that's what the best teams in the competition do. They play every contest, every defensive effort like it's life and death, where others say, yeah, we're trying, but... Are you really trying to, you know, save save a goal or lay a tackle for your life, which is what you want to see and what I hope what we see from the Bombers tonight? They are young, the Bombers, so there is a little bit of an out there. I think that on average age, they're the yeah. second youngest team. So, I mean, North Melbourne has got away with it a little bit, but certainly the the um, pressure has been, the spotlight's been on Essendon um, this year. I mean, I just think it's interesting from a broader coaching perspective, right? Is, is Ben Rutten, is that a genuine conversation yet or not? I think they need to be really competitive in the back half of the year. I think he becomes unsafe if they are not competitive across a big period of this second half of the season. Yeah, that's a fair call. I think right now, my view, I would love to see them stick with Ben Rutten. I think they've got to commit to Ben Rutten and say, right, we believe you're the right man. Get us out of this rut. Get get the wheel turning a little bit and just get something going. Because I think, would it be great for the club if they then sacked another coach and brought someone else in again? I'm not sure. What if, what if Alistair Clarkson's sitting there? Well, that's the question. That's why it's an interesting topic. Essendon's one of Essendon's greatest rivals. He's been there and but, done it. Yeah. And he how does it work, in Victoria. What, but how would it work? Would Essendon actually go and find out if Clarko wants to coach the club first before they make a move on Ben Rutten? Is that actually how it would work? Or is then you're sort of going behind Rutten's back and you're – you're going, well, if there's a better option, we'll take it. But it's if there's question. not, we'll keep rutting. How does it work? I don't I don't reckon those conversations would be be having yet, but because and Clarko's in no rush. So I don't I don't think Xavier Campbell or Paul Brash should be talking to Alistair Clarkson's people yet. But I think this is a really interesting month. And I think Essendon, as you say, they're gonna be really competitive. Do they make one phone call just to 
Clarko's manager. Well, that's I. It's, just I'm, just, that's just to get it, a feel of the timeline and where is Clarkson at? Are we going to miss the boat if we don't act now, or is he actually saying what he, is he actually going to do? What he says in that, that he'll leave it to the end. That's of the why year. it's fascinating because for me, there's two schools. I thought you can look at it and say it's your due diligence. You've got to ring Alistair Clarkson and just find out what he mm. coached yesterday. But then there's also another school thought. Well, if you're starting to think that way as a coach, does that mean you have full faith in your current coach? What does it mean if Ben Rutten, you know, maybe finds out about that phone call and all those sorts of things? So I think it's quite an interesting conversation and topic about how you go about, you know, what you want to do with a coaching situation. So that then is a question for Ben Rutten. Are you comfortable with a club? Checking in on Alistair Clarkson be fascinating. And it's not just Ben Rutten. There might be other clubs in the competition that might be thinking the same sort of things about the coaching situation. As you said, though, they did play finals last year. And, yes, it's been a horrendous start to the year, but they can turn around. Stick fat as a club. Stick fat as a playing group is the most important thing for me. Stick fat as players. Yeah, and you want to see them trying harder in order to show us some sort of signs that they're believing in the coach and they're they're listening to Ben Rutten and they've got full faith in him. Time for Give Me a Spell, and I'm going to go this week. Go Jay Clark, you are the footy expert in the Herald Sun, Uh-oh. yet the weather expert from Channel 7, yes. Jane Bunn, yeah. is beating you and beating you quite convincingly in the Herald Sun tipping. And she got another one on me last night. But I am third. I am third out of a panel yes, of 30 Yes, but the weather expert is yeah. beating the footy expert. She give me a spell, Jay-Z. Give me a spell. Sort it out. Tips are excellent. Great tips. Your dead set legend. Triple M's dead set legend of the week. We've been there for it all. Four and 20, Australia's original fan food. Mate, you are a legend. Just a quick one. We've all got to get to the footy. I'm going to get to Ballarat this afternoon. Yes. So uh, just quick, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. I yes. know we spoke about him earlier, but Perfect I, I came in wanting legend. to make him my dead set legend of the week. Well done to him on his career, what he's done for the Essendon Footy Club. Yep. Also, his uh, achievements to come down from the Tiwi and do yep. what he's done. We wish him all the best in his future endeavours. Well done, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. Well said, Joey. I think yep. that's your best dead set legend of the week, by the way, uh, Jay-Z. I forgot to mention that. Jane Bunn's also beating me in the Herald Sun. Triple M's Dead Set Legends is done for another Saturday. Yeah. So, uh, well done, Joe. Your hard work's being rewarded. Just some of my best work. Joey Montagna, Jay-Z Clark, and Fox Footy's Kath Lockman. Triple M's Dead Set Legends. You go for it. We'll be back next week. Make sure you do a little bit of training. Keep yourself in good shape. Don't come back too fat. That was always <laughs> my little one. Your Dead Set Legends.